Hello and welcome to Undercommon Taste. This is a podcast where we create and discuss homebrew content for tabletop RPGs. There's no surer foundation for a beautiful friendship than a mutual taste in literature. I'm Ian Woodworth and I'm joined by my co-host James Daly and today we have a special guest with us, uh, Kate from the Of Mice and Men and Monsters podcast. Kate, welcome to Undercommon Taste. Yes, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me on here. Sorry, you your your camera just froze up for a second, but you're you're caught up now. So, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> it was just making sure you're paying attention. That's it, mm. exactly. Or you could be like one of the students last year that uh, would like pre- do have the freeze frame, and then you think something's wrong, and then they just go to McDonald's. But oh yeah, I mean, I am here and I'm it. ready. <laughs> I still want that weird cat filter that that lawyer had last year. I am not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm a tabaxi. What? <laughs> What are you going to do about yeah. it? Come on. So, Kate, can you give us a little bit about you and about your podcast? Sure. Yeah, a little bit about me personally. I am a high school English teacher. I've been teaching for about 12 years. And uh, of Mice and Men and Monsters, oh, man, ma'am, um, came about when my husband, Adam, who is both a voice actor on the show as well as the latter half of all of our production. So editing and making sure it sounds tip top shape and all that and posting. Uh, Both of us just wanted to create something uh, together, especially uh, during COVID, during the quarantine times when we're stuck inside. And we had a couple other friends who were down to do this crazy venture with us. And here we are. But the premise is uh, that something I love and, and know very well, classic literature, um, having studied it for many years and now teaching it as well, we wanted to combine that with another nerdy thing we love, tabletop role-playing games. So we put it together, especially when you realize, hey, there's a lot of stuff that's old enough uh, to use. There there are stories, there are poetry, There, there's musicals, there's short stories, there's essays, there's novels, there's so many things that are in public domain that we can then use and adapt for a podcast where people play Dungeons and Dragons. So that's how it came together. And that's and really and full 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 disclosure, I I have listened to this podcast. I am up to date on this podcast. Ooh. So <laughs> Yeah. You know, you know what's coming. Oh yes. Oh my <laughs> At least I, I hope I know literary hints. <laughs> I hope I know what's coming. Okay. Uh. Oh, well, I promise no spoilies tonight. Okay. Um, <laughs> just little little tidbits, little hints that maybe draw you in. That's, that, that's always good. Nice little tease. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I still think that my favorite line, and I can say this without spoiling anything, is, Hey, Mr. Bertram, a bippity boppity boo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's fun yeah. when they get to play with it too, yeah, and then you great. have cross genres going all over the place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I will <laughs> make sure to tell Aaron that he's probably going to be watching tonight. But yeah. um, our buddy Aaron, who plays Awen on the show, yeah. would love that. Yeah, Awen Awen is just such a great weird character. Is it's <laughs> he's he's yeah. he's almost normal. That's that's the thing. Is that's the he's best kind of almost character. normal, and then. And then the weird thing with the teeth. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and that just came out of nowhere. And so one of their first encounters they had 
he just decided to start pulling take teeth. This, yeah, take this this dwarf's teeth, this halfling's teeth. I forget which one. I think it was a half both of them yeah. there. But, but yeah, and then he was taking their teeth, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I don't know. You can make something out of it. You know, <laughs> pop a pill in or have like a fake cap." And I'm like, "Go for it. Yeah. You be as weird as you want because here it actually works." Yeah. <laughs> and this yeah, is how we, you get uh, tooth fairies, boys and girls. <laughs> And then you get emails from people saying, hey, I found a dice set with teeth in it. Oh. It's like, oh, okay. Oh my. This is amazing. And then there is there is a dice set that I have seen before that you can get that is made from teeth. Like made. Made from teeth. Yes. Oh, them polished ivories. I'm, I'm yeah. seeing oh, some scrimshaw right. stuff, but that's, I don't know. That's a little bit. It's a little bit macabre. I, I don't know as if I would play. I don't know as if I would play with actual teeth. I don't know, but that that is a that's a great flex to pull out yeah. if you're with people and you're like, oh, especially if you have like my, unarmed bite. They like my new set. <laughs> oh my! God. I'm, I'm gonna bring out the teeth yes. dice for my bite damage. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, my, my lizard folk, you know. Yes. Roll, roll my D6. Definitely. Piercing damage, yeah. crushing damage. I love it. You're like, this D20, straight up molar. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and, and get into the actual topical part of the, the episode. Um, because that, that is what we invited you on for, is to talk a little bit about taking literary works and adapting them for the table. So, I love this idea. That's such a wonderful idea you had. I mean, wow. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's just we were like, man, we want to do this. But what what's something that could potentially set us apart? Just, you know, something that right. it it feels more ours that we could take ownership of it and uh yeah, just looking at what I do for a living and what I get to nerd over on a regular basis and what I own so much of that now my own classroom has become a room of requirement for our books. It's just like we're running out of room. Just we don't have any more room in the apartment. Just shove it in the classroom. Uh, so yeah, it was fun to be able to do that. All right. So the first question we have on our list is: uh, What is your process for finding literary work to adapt for your game? Um, do you go in looking for a story to fit the narrative that you're wanting to tell, or do you form your narrative around a story that has particularly compelling elements? When I first started dungeon mastering, when I first, you know, dipped my toe in, as it were, um, and it was well before of Mice and Men and Monsters, that was the first place I thought to go. Uh, and so I I was like, man, what, what do I nerd out over? What What's something that I can know enough on the back of my hand that I could just create something around it? And so I went with um, Fall of the House of Usher by Edgar Allan Poe and, and made it into a murder mystery. And you know that so that was driven more by personal interest and knowledge and so if you ever want to try it yourself definitely go for the stories that you you know so well and the the characters that you would love to just have as the menacing antagonists and uh, the side characters that are just coming in through the window but for of mice and men and monsters uh, we my, my husband and I, we worked together first to kind of create like, what are some broad strokes for this world and kind of what's the direction we want to go in. And then that's all I let him see because he's a player and I, I want him to still have that element of surprise and, and having fun with it as opposed to knowing everything that's going to happen. 
And so my job is to find stories that reflect the characters. So when they were building their characters, they I asked them to tell me what either genre or stories they were basing their character off of. So for Penny, we just wrapped up um, in recording, we just finally wrapped up Oliver Twist. And so that is the, you know, the kind of the world that she was building Penny off of, you know, as a street urchin and being raised by um, the antagonist Fagin. And so that was easy knowing, okay, I'm going to put this in here at some point. Um, Awen, um, you know, is, is based off of a, the transcendentalist movement, um, kind of just getting all crunchy and into nature and some just off the wall ideas for how to live your life. Um, as you see in him. And then, um, Adams is uh, loosely based off of a, a collection of gothic short stories and then also the time machine. So, you know, knowing like we're eventually going to build these in there and that'll be character driven. But furthermore, what are some fun stories that allow us to explore themes that take different viewpoints on uh, good and evil and world building? So it's, it's, a mix, I guess. That's the best way I can put it to you. It's, it's a hybrid. Uh, you come in knowing, I definitely want to do these stories. Uh, I definitely know I want to do Moby Dick <laughs> because I want to try an adventure all set at sea um, as just a personal challenge. But then also keeping in mind, my characters are basing their own backstories on these pieces of literature. So to help them develop, I need to weave that into the overall narrative, the the big arc, as it were, um, as well. Gotcha. That's a wonderful bit of, of you know, storytelling and world building. I mean, that's being able to take the different stories and kind of meld them together. That's that that takes a lot of work. So, I mean, well done for being able to pull that off. Thanks. I get to do a lot of reading. And at least for me, I get excited about that. Oh, yeah. And I know it's not the case for a lot of people. Yeah. I that that's one of our goals from this, you know, one of our like mission statements is if we can get, you know, at least one person for each of the novels and short stories and other things that we cover, if they could read it of their own volition, like, hey, that was kind of a fun ride. I want to see what the source material is like. That would be great. I would Oh, I would be so happy. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to, there's so much to choose from. Sometimes it's overload. Like you go into cheesecake factory and you're like, can I just like bring my D20 in and just choose something off of that? Um, <laughs> I've seen that episode. So I'm going to, I'm going to geek out a little bit right here, but like the way you're kind of talking about wanting to introduce people to stories, um, it's one of his lesser known books, but Mark of the Beast by Heinlein. Have you by chance read that one? No, no, I have not. It, it was really interesting. It wasn't one of his normal, it wasn't one of his later books, I don't think, but they, they make this device and they basically get to teleport their characters into the various literary worlds and, you know, adventures happen, but there's several stories he visits by, by various authors. I, he goes, he visits Oz, he visits um, some books by uh, Pornell, who was a uh, pulp sci-fi writer. I think if I recall, there was Arthur C. Clarke was one, but again, this has that same feel except just with D and D characters where you're teleporting your characters into oh. different literary scenarios that they have to, to figure it and work their way through. But that book stood. Mark of the Beast is called. Yeah. Okay. That's I'm, I'm adding that to my list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm adding or, that to my number of the list. beast. I'm sorry. Not Mark number. 
Number okay, I mean, and also anybody who's listening to this, watching it live or anything, if you have any suggestions that you would like to see as well, shout it out on there. <laughs> I'm always looking for more ideas. In fact, quite a few people have uh, suggested uh, work that we're going to be the the next big work that we're going to be doing, which is um, the Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. And so, because we got a lot of people suggesting, I'm like, what? Yeah, let's do it. Let's try this out. Yeah, because it it just recently came into public domain. Yeah. And just like in the last three years, two, three years. Yeah. So 2018, 2019, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because my wife and I are part of the local theater guild, and that meant that we could actually put on a play adaptation of The Great Gatsby because it was in public domain, so... So it was, That'll be it was, it was no longer a, uh, we, we didn't have to worry so much about the copyright issues. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, I'm so glad that you guys said public domain first before me, or maybe it was in like the notes before this. Cause I forget that phrase all the time. <laughs> if you, if you listen to the uncut version of me recording kind of the, thank you for listening. And here's all this stuff. You'll hear me say open licensing. You'll hear me just come up with all these different phrases. And then you'll hear out of the background, it's public domain. I'm like, ah, (laughs) so yes, public domain. I I thank God for that. And then, you know, the, the recent one, right. Winnie the Pooh, Mm -hmm. um, that came out and of course got a a slew of texts from friends, but also seeing stuff online of like, you got to do poo. It's like, Oh, how, how do you, yes. How do you do that? And I mean, it, it can happen, yeah. it's, but it's just a happy werebear. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally. The, the thousand, the hundred acre woods is hundred acre. Yeah. hundred acre woods. Yeah, 100 is totally, acre woods. A, totally a druid's domain. It's a totally. A oh, grove. totally. Yeah. And then the ooze there, it, instead it's a golden ooze and it's happy and friendly, yeah. AKA honey. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You got no, I like it. And then a bunch <laughs> of, um, Lovecraft he, has, he has this, he has this, uh, kid, uh, werebore, friend yeah piglet okay oh my god yes it's just like a mini bear board yeah, it's, it's just it's just a it's just a druid's grove full of uh lycanthropes well owl's totally mm-hmm. like a, a wizard's familiar the wizard's just off doing whatever he's an owl bear he's an owl bear i could see that a little hard oh to sit up in a tree but yeah i could see that they can climb <laughs> It'd be a beefy tree. <laughs> that would. It's just a whole fortress up there. The oh, bear. the world building. Look at all of you guys. You guys are helping me come up with some ideas tonight. Oh, we love brainstorming. Yeah. We're, we're full of ideas. That's oh, that's yeah. all we do. We, we <laughs> rattle on for two hours about ideas. Uh, and I so, know I like that about you guys. <laughs> so if someone was going to look and try to do this, how would they go about finding what is and what is not public domain? I mean, that, that would be kind of a, a big step if, hey, we're going to produce this, but we want to make sure we're, we're safe and covered. My primary source for finding that has been uh, Project Gutenberg. So I think it's Gutenberg.org, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But they have just the complete listing of current up-to-date public domain works. And then they even offer it to you in many different formats, uh, depending on the device you're on or how you want to read it. And so that, that has been super helpful. Even just going by author in there, I'm like, what? what exactly is available to me um, right now and so many different genres. So it's not just short stories. It's not just even fiction. They even have uh, nonfiction pieces that are great to use as well um, that you can gain ideas. I mean, imagine doing 
Oh, gosh. Imagine doing one where you're basing it off of Winston Churchill's Iron Curtain speech. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, that's primarily where I go to. to yes, find. yes, it is. Gutenberg.org. Awesome. Um, do we want to put a, a link to that with show notes later on? Yeah, we can put, yeah, okay. we put a link to that in the show notes. That's a great resource to just have. I mean, anybody who's watching, mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. resources are wonderful. <laughs> yeah. All right. So how do you how do you adapt your story if and when the players go off script? Oh, you mean every time we play? <laughs> For anyone who's ever dungeon mastered, yeah, you like my yeah. best laid plans. Uh, yeah, modular planning has been helpful where I have uh, certain just like bullet points of things that I know I want to happen um, to fulfill our particular group's goals, you know, for the story, but also, hey, this this occurs in this world and I would love to bring it in. Uh, so it's like, hey, they, they want to go in this different room or they want to like set this thing on fire. <laughs> That's okay. You know, them finding this important NPC or this this big piece of evidence is going to happen anyways. Uh, but it so it, it's less railroading and be like, let's, let's work with where you want to go with this. Uh, during one of our recordings for... Uh, I remember during one of our recordings for uh, Count of Monte Cristo, you know, I'm, I'm designing this prison and there's lots of places for them to go. Uh, and they just decided they wanted to torch a room, like just not even, you know, not even really explore it fully. And I realized I'm like, man, I had some things that were set here for them to find out that's okay. Uh, in another room they decided to go into, they met an NPC from the world of Count of Monte Cristo that is still alive and well and uh, is still with them available to talk to. And so instead I gave that information for her to impart to them. So it's it's been more of a, I know you are <laughs> going to do things and I encourage you to because that actually is is some of the best moments that have come out of it, especially when they fail those moments, either they fail the role or they just go off on this wacky thing. And then we're 10 minutes into it. And you hear usually Aaron saying, what have I done? (laughs) Um, You know, it's like, well, that's fine. Like I, we're still going with it and I still have it in my notes and I can just transfer that. um, You know, I can transfer that object. I can transfer that character. I can transfer that plot point to a different room or a different moment as well. And that's, that's, that's that is a very that is a very important little DM trick to learn. Yeah, I mean, it, it took me a long time to figure out that the players have no idea what I have planned behind the screen, and they have no idea where all of my little set pieces actually are. So if they turn right instead of left, I can just make this room <laughs> shift down that hallway instead. Exactly. Yeah, just, it's it's amazing. It's yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how it happens. Yeah. You're like, wow, we really got it. I'm like, I know you guys are so so smart. That's so so cunning. That's like the we old magician's it. trick where you have someone pick, you know, you pick one and they don't know if they're picking to select or remove. So if you had like whatever the mark or the, the item is that they're supposed to pick, if they pick the wrong one, then that's the one they take you take away. Versus if they pick mm-hmm. the right one, that's the one they get. It's kind of that quick like sleight of hand uh yes. with things, but yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It was my plan all along. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So whenever you're analyzing a a work for adaptation, how do you decide which elements you're going to use and which elements are maybe a little too esoteric or 
just don't quite fit your vision or, you know, mm. what, how do you decide what gets left on the cutting room floor? Yeah. How do I decide what to trim? Right. Because especially if I'm coming out of a novel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially something as big as something like Moby Dick um, or, or even Count of Monte Cristo. Those were two of the more recent ones that we did. Um, it's, I keep like a running log of notes, um, like cool NPC names that I want to use. Cause some of these names that come out of these older works, you're like, I can't make this up. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I got to do it. Um, and then quotes that really stand out to me when I'm reading either because it's like, man, this sounds a lot like, Bertram's voice. This sounds like something he would um, respond to somebody telling him, or it's just, you know, a climactic part of the story. But understanding too, that the primary purpose of me using these older stories, these novels specifically, as the mechanism to drive our bigger arc forward, the story of the world of Omamam comes first. And so what do I want to do? You know, what, what is the the main goal of this adventure? Is it to steal something? Is it to uh, get somebody back? Is it to find out a piece of intel? Uh, but, you know, what is the main goal? And then if there's anything from the story that would not help them reach that, don't need it. Don't, you know, then it, that's okay. Because then that could be something where, I have it extra kind of on the side in my notes and then be like, Hey, you know what? We have some time. Let's like throw this character in. I'm just as a wacky side thing that maybe is on there for five seconds. Or maybe that's something that surprisingly my players really latch onto. You know, I've had that where I just have an NPC that's based off of a side character from the novel that they really latch on to. I'm like, all right, I guess this is going to be a big player now. I guess this is going to be, you know, special guest starring now. Um, and now they have lines. So uh, when I'm deciding what to include and what to detract, I guess it comes down to, does it fit the main narrative of the world that we're building together and the big story? Uh does it allow any of my three characters to develop themselves or explore themselves further? Um, and then lastly, is it something that I remember years after reading that? You know, is it something that when I have come back to this story and revisited it, that I still remember this moment? I still remember experiencing this or reading it or reacting to it. And so, that's more of a subjective, but uh, I want to include that in there too. Gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. like in that thread, like certain things. I know, I know, Amazon's picked it up, but the whole Wheel of Time series, and there, are, there are many mm-hmm. aspects of the Wheel of Time that you know still resonate. You know, just certain things stick with me. I know I, I binge read them when I was in college, um, up until the final three because they hadn't come out yet, and you know, and you'd have those moments where you wake up and you're still half asleep and your brain's trying to sort out what's memory and what was dream and what's reality and where everything kind of belongs. And those are some kind of fun moments. <laughs> it is, it is fun. Uh, and I, you know, I know I'm not going to hit it all and just being at peace with that, like knowing yeah, we, we only have so much to go. I mean, it, and it still can last way longer. It's, you know, it, when we were first crafting, uh, Frankenstein, the very first one we did, it's like, okay, how many, how many episodes do we think this is going to go? I don't know, five, five, five sounds good. You know, you kind of build up, you reach a climax and you go down 
And it turned out to be way, <laughs> way more than that. And so then you're like, well, I got more material. Let's throw it in. Um, but it's it's a lot of just keeping track as you read and be like, does this moment remind me of a character? Does this moment uh, make me react emotionally? Or just is this author a, a GD poet? And I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> I just I, I want to say their words. I just I want to I want to pretend the words are coming from me. <laughs> so I got to say this right now. So whenever you whenever you find a piece that you want to adapt, um, do you take into account the the level that your party is at for when you want to incorporate a story into your narrative? So uh, are there are there certain works that you find that you're like, this is for a higher level party, so I am going to set this here until they get there. Or do you, oh, or do yeah. you just say, okay, this is cool. Let me make it fit what my party is now, so that they can go ahead and get into it. I think I've done both. I, okay. I, I definitely have. Like, I'm impatient. I want to do this work <laughs> now, um, which is what we did with Moby Dick. It's like that. You know, you're going up against a demon whale. I'm going to have to scale this baby <laughs> way down and like include buffed out stats for either certain NPCs or even the ship itself, uh, the pod. But as for some ones that I know are coming down the line, it's more of a, this is a grander scale story and it has bigger sweeping themes that either I don't think their characters are ready for yet, uh, you know, lessons to learn or to fill in for one another um and so knowing like it's just it's more character based it's more you know story driven they're not there yet for it uh, but as for encounters uh that, <laughs> that's still a, an area I'm, I'm i'm reaching as a as a dungeon master it's <laughs> sometimes they'll they'll come in and they're like oh my first hit is this this many points and i'm like i need to add more hit points to my <laughs> monster uh, put a one in front of that now we're triple yeah, digits yeah. great um <laughs> Whereas other times I'm like, oh god, they're being annihilated. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's have e either like a Tolkien-esque Deus Ex Machina, or at, at the very least, like give some more aid in what's in the room for them uh, at the moment. But it let's just it take really this die out of the damage pool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like they have these abilities I gave them. Why did what? Why did you do that? Uh, so, yeah, exactly. It's like the damage actually is halved. I guess you all have resistance. <laughs> you guys, yeah, you did so remember to drink those potions, right? Right, yeah. Right. Wink, wink. Times I had to cut that out where I'm like, guys, P.S. on the side. I just want to remind you, Kimmy, who plays Penny, you currently have five healing potions in your yeah. inventory. I don't want to have to remind you of that again, please, for the love of God. And she's like, oh. You can just like write it on a notepaper, hold it up. DM note. Yeah. <laughs> Drink your potions. I know. Well, I, I do. I, I do. Remember, Drink your potions. I do remember her saying in the most recent episode, I need to remember to write that down. Oh, I know. It's like, thank you. Thank you. We've only been playing like a year and a half. Yeah, like you read your and, items. <laughs> talking as a DM, you know, trying to get the, that item level or, or the the difficulty level in battle is always hard because, like, you'll have have a warrior or something who decides to blow blow their action surge and all their points at once, and all of a sudden they're doing like 
at 90 points of damage. And I'm like, well, okay, there's that monster. Just kind of <laughs> push that one off the side. I did that. I, I did that in in our uh, in our one year anniversary game. We <laughs> yeah. get to the we get to the big bad, and I walk up with my 11th level champion <laughs> fighter, and he goes hit, 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 action surge, hit, crit, hit, and he was down to like eight hit points. Yeah, I was like, okay. How did, how did you even handle that? What did you do? We had to go. I mean, it, it was kind of a good and bad thing. We were short on time, so we were trying to pull back because we were trying to keep the session only so long. So there should have been two or three encounters before they got to the boss to kind of winnow their, their abilities down a bit. So with that, we just rolled with it, and, and thankfully everyone got an attack round and got to beat up on the boss a little bit, but then... Again, we were short on time, so it worked out really, really well. But yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, great. But I've I've had times where you know, again, you talk about, you know, how to how to move or make modular things. Where I've taken small chapters and stuff, and they decide to go left instead of right, and just like, well, okay, that's all gone. <laughs> you know, those are those are some <laughs> early DM lessons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely have to learn that by trial and error. And sometimes too, in the in the battles, you're like, I want everyone to feel like they contributed to this. Yeah. I want everyone to know they killed this guy together. So I want, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bit like almost of the you know the DM being like the the big sibling or the you know just kind of being like, I want you all to feel special. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> yeah. a giant sheep dog trying to herd cats. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's that is a very good analogy. So. Do you find certain genres work better for transporting into onto the table or are they all about equal to you? It's like short stories versus plays versus novels versus like historical adaptations. I think format wise, short stories are the easiest to do um, because they force you to be more compact. Um, and the authors in short stories have to be, they have to choose what they put in there with care. You know, they only have so much room. And so they don't have that, you know, leisure of having like a side arc or, you know, a filler episode as it were for it. Um, they, they have to get the information that's important to the main goal. Um, and that's a great one to start with as for, I guess, I guess poetry would be the hardest. <laughs> Because you're like, yeah. well, I'm just getting the essence of this. But some <laughs> poems, you know, like uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson's Lady of Shalott, like it does tell a story um, to it. And there is there is an actual plot to it. But I, I would say a great starter one and one that I was able to ease myself and get more comfortable with were doing short stories. Okay. Specifically, just I think it says more about me than anything. So I can't say this objectively. It's totally subjective. But gothic literature because you know the the monster origins you know you you have mystery in there you have sometimes romance but just like very dark stuff as well built into it that naturally lends to anything from a dungeon crawl to a murder mystery to just having a creepy dinner party where you're unsure of what's going to happen next so i i would say for anyone wanting to try this themselves uh Short stories, especially by gothic writers. Um, Edgar Allan Poe is a great one oh, yeah. to go with. You can't you can't go wrong with that. And that's also how I started <laughs> too. Yeah, and, and another thing is, you know, it's a whole lot easier to read and digest a 10,000 word short story than it is to read and digest a 150,000 word novel. 
Very true. Yes. Or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, because so, some, some, like, some of your some of your classical literature, you know, you get out to the 250,000, 350,000 word count. Yeah. Like, so, and, and even just how they write, too, because, oh, yeah. you know, the, these public domain writers, they're naturally going to be older. A lot of them, too, are from the 1800s where it was fashionable to be very lyrical and long. And you're like, I'm just i just want to know what's <laughs> happening next like yes i know the ivy's curling up you know like in this monstrous fashion and is it a snake or is it a piece of ivy we don't know um so i i think that if you start off with short stories it lends itself very well to translating into a tabletop role-playing game um but here i am too at the same time as a hypocrite who <laughs> in between we <laughs> In between each of our, our stories that we focus on, we have a, a book report episode just where we talk about the book um, that we uh, have featured and we go a little bit more into behind the scenes for that author and what led to the writing of the story. And Adam always likes to challenge me at the end. He's like, yeah, but why should they read it? And I'm like, now here I am <laughs> telling you why you should read Moby Dick. Here I am telling you why you should read Count of Monte Cristo, both of which are behemoths um, and I mean, I still think you should, but uh, it's it's more one of those like I don't know, stick with it. Uh, so it's <laughs> the the technical term we like to use is cat squisher. Yeah, cat squisher. Yes. Yeah, because what if you because if you because if you drop it, it'll squish the cat. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because oh, because yeah. of the mass of paper. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, then I think that's aptly named. I, I think I think that is an East Coast lexicon because I've only heard it on the East Coast, but I have heard it in school and, and things like that. But yes, I can do that. I, I'm, I didn't, I'm out here on the West coast. I can, I can bring a little bit of the, the East coast lingo into the West coast classroom. Admittedly, I didn't hear it until I went to UVA. So take deal with that as you will. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I don't know that it may be a Jersey thing. I don't know because there's lots of people from Jersey at UVA. It, it, okay. it may be a Nova thing, a Northern Virginia thing. It may be, Probably just know. a mid-Atlantic. I don't know. It could be just generic mid-Atlantic. Yeah. One thing you did bring know, up. guys. We need to stop this podcast and <laughs> look this up now. Yes. We need to find the history of Cat Squisher. Oh, I absolutely oh. love linguistics. That, that was like, oh, those were such great classes in college. I was going to say yeah. that you talked about, you know, the challenges of, of adapting poetry. A challenge for you. Shel Silverstein. Oh, my word. Well... <laughs> I would choose one work. Oh, no, no, I would not. I would make it a, okay. He, (laughs) Shel Silverstein, which by the way, best picture on the back cover. Every time I read it to my toddler (laughs) daughter, I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) This man is creating your dreams and your nightmares. Kind of looks a little Um, bit like Rose Putin. Yeah. Um, I I think it would be good to do it as an anthology then, uh, where you would bring in different tidbits of, you know, characters or ideas or images from them and then maybe have them each as if you want to just do like the classic one where it's just like each room is a different poem. Um, each one can be like a riddle related to the poem oh, or a fun. puzzle and then they move through. Um, and then at the very end, I don't know, they get, they get a, the last golden apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no idea, but yeah, that, that would be interesting. I think if, if I were to, I haven't tackled poetry yet honestly haven't. And so if I were to do that, it might be more on the anthological side okay. of taking several works by the same writer. Okay, so 
is there a piece that you would love to adapt for the show, but you can't because it's not in public domain yet? Two. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) One of which is a short story uh, by Shirley Jackson. It's called The Lottery. Um, And just the premise of this is it, it builds up into that through that dramatic irony of you start to realize more and more exactly what is coming at the very end. And so if you had an adventure where your, your characters were captured, maybe it's just like a kind of a side one shot, but they were captured and they were put into a lottery, but they don't know what it is. And it's more of like an escape within a certain amount of time. Um, that would be very, very fun. Um, I don't want to give away any more than that. Please go read <laughs> the lottery by Shirley Jackson. That is a great um, story. Because the, the twist is the, is, yes. the, is the best part. Um, and then for something more long form, I, I would love if I could do something like Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Oh, uh, yeah. More that is post-apocalyptic. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, was... I told you, I love God. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to draw from, you know, dark romance, gothic literature. So, yeah, it, it fits. Uh, but yeah, just something more apocalyptic and, uh, you know, a lot of great encounters along the way and still very unclear who the enemy is. And there's a lot of great moments for introspection for your own characters and decisions to make where there really is no right decision <laughs> uh, would be fun. I could see that. So, I could also. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So so fun fact, um, I had the road sitting on my bookshelf for a while and. You know, after my daughter was born, I, I decided, you know, what, I'm just going to start working through my bookshelf because they've, you know, they've moved through three apartments and now into this house. I'm going to read through some of these. Gosh and, darn it. And so, so, you know, this is my daughter is like five months old at this point and I, I have it with me and I'm reading it in my car on my lunch break at work. And I, I get to the end of it and I'm like. This was a good book. This was not the right time for me to read this book. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, wait, you have a new kid? Oh, no. Like, this was not the right time for me to read this book. And, and I told my wife as much because she hasn't read it yet. I'm like, you're not ready for this. Yeah. Yeah, there's some stuff I've had to put off, too. We Since, uh, you know, my daughter's now two and we're expecting another one here any week now. Uh, but it is... Yeah, it's just like I, I can't, I'm going to put myself into these shoes too much, and I'm going to look oh, look yeah. at my child with trauma. Uh, especially, you you know what scene I'm talking about near the end. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm I'm not going to say any more than that. But if <laughs> you, you ever you just start calling her the girl or daughter, and that's it. <laughs> You're like I can't say your name anymore. Mm. I'm gonna have to like yeah, add this to my reading list. I haven't, I haven't. Please do. Yes, it it, is it, I mean it was it. really, really good. I think I have an Audible is credit it? coming up, so yeah, that's gonna be. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, yeah I love Audible. Don't. That's that's made. You know, I mean, I know. With my, you know, you get older, your vision kind of goes wonky, and then you have to do a bunch of stuff. But like my commutes or different things like that, audiobooks are just a blessing. Absolutely. Audible, if you want to sponsor us, yeah, and somehow yeah. you're listening, Mister Audible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking an, another one that would be a really not in the public domain, but would be a really interesting. It would be a hard one to do. Would be the stand, especially with with everything going on right now. But mm. yeah, there would be yeah, a lot you, of opportunity for role play through that. Ooh, especially if you're looking at uh, which I do look at at tabletop role playing games as a chance for your players to work through stuff they're going through yeah. in their own lives. 
um, and to, you know, kind of in a, as a, at a safe distance, use their character and use that persona to work through the hard emotions and oh, to relate to real life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would be great for that. Yeah. So. All right. Last one of our prepared questions. <laughs> okay. Um, what would you say is the most important thing to consider for a DM adapting a story to a table? Your player characters. Uh, I, I, I think because I believe the strongest stories that can land on the table are those that are character driven. And so if you have the chance to know what your players specifically want to get out of it, but then how they've crafted their player characters backstories a little bit. And you can find existing public domain works that match that it's going to be very rewarding and they'll open up way more. So I I think starting off with that, knowing who you're sharing this table with and that they are creating this world with you, uh, that you want the stories to reflect them as well. No, that's really, really solid advice. Because again, it, it is the player's story. You are the DM, but it really is the player's story when it comes down to it. So no, that, that is fantastic advice. Thank you. All right. So we had tossed up an idea about maybe taking a specific piece of literature and just doing a very bare bones sort of totally. outline on how we might adapt it mm-hmm. um the one i su- the piece i suggested was actually great gatsby <laughs> i know um, i can which, still do that without giving things away right. so. and, and what we come up with may be completely different than what you end up going with in the show so uh, so no spoilies anyways yeah. it's okay um, but. and of course i i suggest this and then find out whenever i'm doing troubleshooting with james this afternoon that uh he hasn't actually read it <laughs> yeah no that that's as much as I've read, I, I focused more on uh, fantasy and pulp sci-fi growing up. And for some reason, we skipped that one in high school. So, like, some other classes had to read it, but I never had. I read I was, Fahrenheit 451, like, six different times in school. Never got to read Great Gatsby. So, there you are. I, I, was about, I was about to say, it was like, you were in the one high school in America that didn't make you read I Great know. Gatsby. <laughs> Typically, they're like... You got to read this. Yeah. You, typically junior year, right? Yeah. For U.S. literature. They they have that as like the core piece of yeah. literature. It was, it, was so, it was sophomore year for me, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah it kind of just depends on. Everybody everyone. made me read 451. Like, I, I've read it. I'll read it again. I, no, you don't understand. I've read this three times. We'll read it again. All right. I know. Like, <laughs> Fine. I'll show up. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Please tell me what Montag does. Uh, yeah. It's, it, so if I were to take... Well, I am. But in this case, in our scenario that we're creating, if I were to take something like The Great Gatsby, um, I would want to know first for my player characters and the world we've already started building there, what is one of the big goals that we would have? And then how can I fit that goal into the big plot points of The Great Gatsby? So when people are reading, kind of if we were to make a, a Pinterest board for Great Gatsby, you know, we would know it's the Roaring Twenties, we would know this is a guy who throws huge parties, but he's also, uh, you know, in organized crime. We would know that there we are think certain. <laughs> it is never explicitly stated that he is part of organized crime. He is accused of being so, a bootlegger. I, okay, that's fine. 
Chicago's calling. We got a wire from Chicago that we're keeping open. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, by the way, you guys, uh, as uh, it's it's almost sickening, but I I take no nothing but utter delight in it. I mean, this is a book since I've taught for twelve years, and I have taught multiple you know, periods in a year of juniors, which is what my school does for Great Gatsby. I've read this book over 20 times. So, um, you know, this is definitely one of those I'm like, I don't have to really reread it for this. I kind of know it. Um, But it, so you you know, like, okay, who are are the main players here? Well, I got to get, you know, the narrator. I have to have, uh, you know, the the guy that this all is named after, Jay Gatsby. Um, And then if I want to, have shady characters at the party great they have plenty of those you know coming through the window um in (laughs) in this story and then what i personally would kind of knock out is some people look at the romantic part of of this where the title character wants to get with somebody else and will they won't they um do they even love each other that's not as important to me for the world I'm building, but maybe it is. So it's like, do I even want to include this element? Do I, does this potential romance that's in the story even have anything to do with what my characters are trying to do or not? So maybe I just want them to be at one of his parties. Maybe I want them to be in a version of New York's, uh, yeah, just the NYC or Manhattan areas. Um, Maybe I want them to be, in a speakeasy and this is where it happens. So I would choose one or two big scenes that happen in the novel and then use those as my big settings for my characters. So from what you guys Um, have mentioned, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. So from what you guys have mentioned again, I've seen the movie with DiCaprio forever ago, watched it once um, and I haven't read the book, but so what I would picture at this point would be like maybe an Elven or a Faye Bacchanalia. And have that mm-hmm. big kind of, because you have, again, you have those shady characters, so that the Fae and the Elves would fade in and out real there. They'd have the big party, so again, probably like a Druid Grove or something like that, where you'd have just kind of everybody coming in, and then you could use that as your, your point and have whatever your plot tip would be from there, just kind of. Totally, yeah. And so if that's, you know, one, if I choose a party, then something that is a goal for my characters needs to happen at this party. You know, do they want to find a person? Do they want to drop Intel? Do they want to buy something that's a little less than legal? Do, you know, to, so figure out kind of what is a one or two, what are one or two motives that they have for coming to this party um, and go with that. There are, you know, two main chapters in Great Gatsby. It's, it's a shorter work too, which is great to do. There's only nine chapters in it. And so I would choose, you know, the chapters that focus in on the party if I'm going there and utilize a lot of those descriptions and bring people in. And the cool thing is whenever you you choose any work that has a party in it, you can bring in characters from other pieces of literature. Oh, um, you yeah. know, who else would be at this party mm-hmm. um, that maybe... Or if this is part of a longstanding campaign for your characters, like are there previous NPCs that they've, ex- uh, you know, had experiences with that can make a, a resurgence that would all of a sudden be there? Well, why are they there? Um, so I would go from there and then figure out what is uh, kind of what is the the tone? You know, do I want this to be a mystery? Do I want this to just be like a silly comedic slapstick? Anything goes 
do I want this to become a murder mystery? Do I want this to be a romance? And then also add in those elements. I was going to point out that you could have that murder mystery element because of the, you know, the pivotal event that leads into the very end of the book. Um, yeah. Or <laughs> um, right. where someone, someone runs over someone else in someone else's car. Um, mm-hmm. And have a little bit of a whodunit there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or you just have someone say, "Hi, I'm the American Dream," and then later they're dead. Um, yeah, it just... <laughs> yeah, that, that's, so it, that's it's... too real. We can't. We can't do yeah, that. that well, then, then that then it becomes a therapy session. Then you're like, "All right, our theme for today is getting it out." <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so when I was thinking about it, there were there were two major settings that I was thinking about that we could that would lend themselves well to the Great Gatsby. One being sort of a Feywild, you know, fey, fairy setting. And the other one being Eberron. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because Eberron has that, that little bit of a grungy magitech, almost mm-hmm. steampunk kind of transitioning into diesel punk sort of feel. Mm-hmm. And so it has the atmosphere there for all of the things that happen because we are, we are, you know, in the Roaring Twenties, it is the beginning of the real big urbanization of America. And oh yeah, it was all about being modern. Oh right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so means. and so, you know, just the Eberron setting in and of itself really lends itself well to that. And mm-hmm. because you can have a whole lot of urban encounters and urban environments in an Eberron setting, because there are a lot of cities, it it just seemed to me to be something that would meld pretty no, well that would fit really well especially yeah. if you start throwing in like speakeasies or things like that that would be a great fit mm-hmm. oh and a great chance for just some fun side detail homebrew i mean if this is also you know since this is the era of prohibition so people weren't allowed to sell and distribute alcohol well what would be the version of bootlegging in this world you know what would be not allowed that you could come up with or even if you're going to go with potent po- potables then you know you could find some cool homebrew brews uh and and have certain effects for your characters just, they can roll through it or they can role play it or just make spirits. yeah or just just make all potions illicit yes goods. Be, yeah yeah oh yeah and definitely look up the there, there's some cool charts on on inebriation that you can find and its effects yes. and you're like no you you guys are gonna be inebriated and you're gonna see what happens <laughs> Yeah, we actually <laughs> we, we actually a while back did a uh, a drinking games uh, s- several different drinking games and we put so, put our own special home mm. inebriation rules into that. So yeah. Ah, oh, can I ask you guys to send that to me? I would absolutely. love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I have a couple players that are more than happy to always play inebriated. <laughs> yeah, no, I like, think have their characters be inebriated. It's like, okay. Yeah. I think Drink <laughs> Smash is the one of them. And then, <laughs> yes, yeah. Drink Smash is one of them. <laughs> so so the the general gist of it is, you know, you have two people with a drink. They both roll a con check. The person okay. with the higher con check wins the whole initiative for the round. So, okay. so what you do is you slam your drink and then you punch your opponent, and the game ends when one person's unconscious, <laughs> either either That's because amazing. they got beaten 
unconscious or because they passed out drunk. Drunk themselves under the table. <laughs> oh, and then the party moves on. You're like, yeah. well, here's your dreamscape. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, that's that was that was one yes, of James's. Please send me any ideas like this. I, and uh if if it does happen to make its way into the world of Gatsby at his party, uh, I will gladly give you guys the credit you deserve for that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So I think I think that pretty well wraps up the the interview portion uh, tonight. Okay. Uh, one of the things we like to do with our guests is roll on our monster mashup table and come up with a creature on the fly, just yes. something completely oh, yes. original, powered by chaos. So if you are game and you have some dice. I do. All right. I have my physical die with me. All right. So let's go ahead and get started with a D4 roll. This is its mode of locomotion. Okay. Or baby. It swims. We get a lot of swimming critters. It's because everyone waits their D4s to land on a four. Yeah. It's the best you can get in that moment. You're like, it's all I have. Uh, you you almost deal more damage with the die than you do <laughs> with whatever on. you're rolling for. Oh my gosh, have you ever stepped on one? No, thankfully. Uh, so I'm short aside. I got a set of the ceramic dice from uh, Clay Warforge from uh, Fighting Chance Studios for Christmas. Oh, nice! And they they he uses the the pendant D fours, the ones that are sort of an oblong shape, and so you roll them mm. and they roll sideways. Mm-hmm. So they got the four I faces. Yeah. So it's it's less <laughs> hazardous to your health if you step <laughs> on it. I know, because these babies, man, I, it's like this or Legos. Ugh. Don't I, have them I would I would rather step on a Lego. You know, okay, I, that's I, I grew up I grew up with Legos. I had huge bins of Legos and I would step into them when I was digging around because they were that big. I would rather step on a Lego. You're like my feet are, are adjusted for this. It's kind of like the mystic fire walking. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, all right. So next roll is a D6 roll for what does it eat? Come on, poop. <laughs> Five. Five? It eats living flesh. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, tech- yeah, we can work with a lot. Living flesh is broad enough that you can work with yeah. that. All right. Uh, next is a D8 for size. <laughs> okay. One. It is diminutive. Oh, Aww, a little guy in the water that eats flesh. Like I'm it. just, he's, he's going to fit in a toilet bowl. What about <laughs> those little blue ring octopi? No, they're, they're poisonous. They That's poisonous. what the... they're also tiny too. Yeah. They, uh, I think they would be tiny. I don't think they would be diminutive, but okay. We're talking like cockroach sized okay. with diminutive. Fits in the palm of your hand. Yep. Weird, like giant sand louse. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, yeah. And now that I think about it, a, one of the blue ring octopi would would fit into a diminutive category because tiny is like a house cat. Yeah. So, so yeah. I was kind of wondering about and, and the, the so spaces like, they can fit into. Yeah. Those guys, I mean, it'll just squish. They're like, you want me to be the size of a teacup? I'll show you. <laughs> I think an octopus familiar would be fun too because just one and out octopus to the face and just kind of chuck it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, just like. <laughs> Next up is another D8 role for social organization. Oh. 
Three. Three. Uh, brood. So one parent plus young. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to think. So we've got. I don't know, still lending itself to octopi or maybe like a saltwater piranha or even freshwater piranha, honestly. Something that yeah. eats flesh. So yeah, we're still seeing like... But, but <laughs> remember... the realm of possibilities. But remember, we have established this before. Swims does not necessarily mean water. This is true. What if it's like those, what the fish they use for like the spa treatments where you stick and they eat all the dead skin off your feet? <laughs> oh yes yeah, that could be, definitely that could I be mean, fun yeah but we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get a lot <laughs> off of this next one this is a new one because this okay. this is ever evolving a d10 roll a d10 roll for native environment oh nice okay yeah this is gonna tell us a lot seven seven it lives in the hills okay, okay. there's you know there's 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 liquid up in yeah. their hills. Yeah, there, I yeah. mean, there's, you know, mountain streams and whatnot. Small know. snapping turtle? <laughs> <laughs> Your angry boy. Yeah. Your little, little angry boy. <laughs> um, I'm just getting flashbacks to the Necrograde. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was, <laughs> that went so sideways. Yeah, that went, yeah, that was, <laughs> that, that was a, that was an experience. Let me tell you. Uh, so, so basically it was, uh, genetically modified tardigrades, um, that had, uh, spines that they could fire out, but they acted like grappling hooks and to draw you in. No, to draw themselves to you. And they, and they went into orifices so I'll, there's I'll, a, and they, these things are these things are like yeah they were yeah tiny yeah. tiny right yeah so yeah in the Amazon there's a creature called the vampire fish that will sense urine and swim upstream and they've got barbed gills so they will swim into an orifice then flare their gills and wedge themselves in so they can live off of the the exflow and the blood and stuff like that and they have to be surgically removed often. So yeah, how did they start? I have how no did idea. those those guys start? No you know, idea. it's like I <laughs> over this <laughs> because <laughs> someone know. angered the I gods is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> this is these are divine punishment for someone. <laughs> Seriously, some of them are like you. You are a scourge. Like this isn't you just surviving. You are angry. <laughs> okay. So next up is a D12 roll for method of defense. Okay. Four. Four has a stinger. All right. I mean, kind of, kind of makes sense. Especially can it can it be a stinger that goes both ways? You know, out in it. You know, yeah. could you also suck through it? I'm, I'm just. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, like like a proboscis. Yeah, yeah, be like a mosquito. Ooh, it's a stabby boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 like uh, it's like a water strider, maybe. Okay. Yeah. God, everything tonight, you guys. I I'm I'm just really feeling like going out on the water now. You know, I'm, I'm feeling like <laughs> this is a good day. Go Me go in L.A. I'm going to drive down to the beach. <laughs> drive drive up drive up into the hills and find find drive myself find myself this nice little secluded pond and. 
Go those, fishing. Those dark I'm just gonna go in the Angeles Mountain Range, those. you guys. Yeah, <laughs> oh we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go up we're gonna go up to the swimming hole and go skinny dipping. It's it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> just close your eyes, guys. Just close your eyes. We'll be over soon. Oh my! All right. <laughs> All right. Next up is going to be a D twenty roll for quirks. Oh, I love these. All right. One. One. Okay, so we're we're going a little more ant here because it can lift twenty times its body weight. I mean, if it needs to carry the corpse somewhere to eat later, yeah, yeah you kind of need to do that. I can see that. Yeah, and you're underwater, so that's going to help with some buoyancy and weight distribution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you already have that. Imagine how big you can go then. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know it's so it's going to be feeding on things like minnows or frogs. You know, what if it's like or a even tiny, like you know, fish? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, or anything that stumbles in there in, it's, in just it's wrong almost, place, wrong time. It's almost like a mosquito larva, just scaled up a little okay. bit. Yeah. Ooh, or like yeah, or like caddisflies, maybe that sort of that sort of I, thing. It, it sounds like you guys are sticking true to our world and. <laughs> I think that's really. Oh, helpful. you you were. I mean, when we get done, you oh. are more than welcome to use oh, whatever it is. I'm just thinking, like this thing drank in a like yeah, a mosquito larva that maybe got a little bit too big. Just maybe it had a sip of enlarged potion. <laughs> yeah. This is it's the worm from the bottom of the tequila bottle. Oh my! Oh, it's still it's been there this whole time, <laughs> just waiting. There, there is no more tequila. There's just the worm. It's just a you bottle just sized worm. The bottle just staring out. It's my turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, this is going to be where the final, the final touches come on because now we get okay. to make it weird. Okay. Cause I mean, this boy's getting weird already. So yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to where um, we're so going. Give him. me a D 100 roll. <laughs> Eighty-one. Eighty-one. You had. You would have to pick something at the bottom of the list when I don't have a mouse on the laptop. Eighty-one uh, um, possesses bones slash horns slash carapace that resonate with a perfect pitch when struck. No, I like okay. this. I, I'm still going with the tequila worm thing. Maybe it resonates with the bottle. Okay. Ooh, I oh. Like that. Oh. Oh, so whenever it gets threatened, it resonates with this pitch and it shatters the bottle. Okay. And it can only happen when the bottle is empty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so they, they become these sort of like biological frag grenades. Okay. This definitely sounds that's... like an orcish drink. Like this would be something that you'd find in an orc bar. And like that's... Oh, and then you can totally just, it becomes a drinking game, yeah, you, you know, like, see who's the last the one bottle, to eat, you know. You, you chug the bottle, then you slam it on the table. And then whatever, you know, it, it explodes and that's the whole. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like orcish roulette. Yes. It is. And, and you, you, you think you've, you're done playing the game, but no, it's only just begun. <laughs> or, or, you know, it's one of those things where it's just sort of a time bomb because you're just waiting until it starts to resonate. Because maybe, maybe this is one of those things. Happen. Maybe this is one of those where in a, in a natural environment, it would, 
you know, encase itself in, you know, pebbles and such like Catisfy larvae do, but they, they learned that whenever it reaches that pupating stage or whenever it's turning into an adult, it resonates this frequency to, to shed off that sort of carapace layer and Mm. that it just happens to be the right frequency to shatter glass. And so they take them and they drop them in the bottles for this purpose. Okay. Oh, my! that's great. And since you said earlier, the defense mechanism is a stinger. If, if one of those remains, you know, one of the pieces of carapace remains or one of the, you know, things then it turns into a stinger. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a mild toxin, like was like in the, in the middle East and stuff where they sit there and they'll handle the scorpions to get stung. So they get the mild buzz off the scorpion venom. <laughs> They could add that in with I the drink. I did not know that. Yeah. So you drink well, I mean, the worm like sloshes up and like it's stinging you while you're drinking it. <laughs> yeah. Who needs gold schlager? Yeah. You know, you don't need you need you don't need little pieces of gold like you know scraping you down and open it up. You got this guy. Well, I mean, it's like the you know, uh, putting snake venom in the whiskey. Exactly. You know? That you that's guys what are, I think. you guys are. I, I like where we're going with this. <laughs> all right. So and, and this will all appear in Great Gatsby really? at the. At the <laughs> Oh, yeah, because we're having a party. Things. Yeah, I am. I'm having a party. So I gotta have All right, drink. yeah. All right, so we got one. We're going to do one more. Make it weird. Let's see what we get. 94. Oh, okay, you're going even lower on the list than I did. So. Yeah, but I'm Keep already scrolling. scrolling down now. <laughs> okay, you're good. You're good. Um, okay. Comes from an alien world and doesn't adhere to normal biology. Which explains why it can swim around in tequila <laughs> and yeah. not die. <laughs> I like it. In fact, it just breathes in. It's yeah. like there's something in the tequila it breathes in. <laughs> I am seeing so much like of like a mini version of those face grabbers from the alien. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You drink oh. it, it drinks you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't be the last one. You do not want that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be the game. You got to take a drink and then slam it down and then you pass it. Mm-hmm. And that's how you do the whole Russian roulette thing or the orchestra roulette is, is wherever, whoever sets it off. And then, of course, once it's out, it's going to eat living flesh. So it's going to just going to latch on whoever, like with the bottle breaks, break in their hand and it's they just going to latch though, on whatever's you know, close. <laughs> social contract. They knew going into this. That's right. You pop it open, <laughs> sat down for this. They knew. All right. <laughs> So, so just to recap on what we got. <laughs> All right. It swims, which it can apparently swim in liquor. So that, yes. that's a thing. Uh, it's quicker in liquor. Yep. Uh, it eats living flesh. Uh, it is diminutive in size. It's uh, social organization is a brood. So a parent plus it's young. It lives in the hills. It has a stinger for defense. It can lift 20 times its body weight. It possesses a carapace that resonates with a perfect pitch when struck. And it comes from an alien world and does not adhere to normal biology. So what are we going to call it? I like Orkschlager. Yes. <laughs> How did you hit that with the first one? Yeah, you, you had mentioned Goldschlager, and we talked about orc drinking games, and that kind of just... <laughs> I know, but the punniness, like, wah to you, to little you. chef kid. 
you, you have to realize that this is a lightning strike event because James is usually the one that says he's no good with names. Yeah, I'm terrible at naming things normally. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe you, man. You're one for one with me. You got that. All right, so that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, I love doing those. Yeah, the, I'm remembering this. So. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the best part of of the interview episodes. Really, it, getting to roll on the table and come up with crazy things. Yeah, you get to create something together and just see where it goes. Yeah. Um, so another thing that we like to do whenever we have a guest on is to have them uh, give a shout out to someone else in the TTRPG community. You know, a podcaster, a content creator, artists, musicians, whatever. Who oh, would you like that. to give a shout out for today? I mean, this community is amazing. Okay. Yeah. I just, this, this community has been amazing. Uh, Sometimes we're like, we feel like a garage band. Like, you know, (laughs) we're just, we're doing this and we come on and and we see so many wonderful people in this community. And it's been just really, I don't know, open, especially for those who are just working together to create small things together. Um, And it's been really supportive. The first two, um, I, I would say one of them that I really enjoy is 19 hits the dragon. Um, yeah, Mike they, is Mike is great people. They are awesome. Yeah, they are. They've been. I don't know. They've been really. They were one of the very friendly ones that we first got to know. Yeah, uh, we, we, we actually we actually just did an off stream game with Mike from Nineteen His Dragon and uh, Matt and Eric from Goblin's Corner. Oh, which also another great one, yes. Goblin's Corner. Yes, so. yes. Good duo there, you guys. Uh, so yeah, they're I know their handles like at nineteen hits the dragon. Like mm-hmm. their handle matches their name. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I really appreciate just how they're going in there and and much like you guys, just the the things that you guys talk about on here, both homebrew and things that come straight from the pages of you know the the manual. Uh, it's it's still so helpful even for people who've been playing nine days, nine months, nine years, you know, plus it, it, it has been very, very helpful gaining ideas from you guys. And, and even what I listened to on 19 has the dragon, what I've been able to just like listen in for some ideas. So that's been helpful. Uh, and I got it. I, so something that we regularly do on our, on our show is we, we invite people to do guest spots um, where I will pull in a quote from the work um, that we're doing. And just like, as, just flavor, you know, you're walking through the hall and you overhear this conversation or, you know, in a recent one, you open up a, a an invite and here's somebody inviting you to a party at Jay Gatsby's, you know, mansion. Uh, and so the very first person who agreed to do this for us uh, was Wilbo Baggins. So um, at, hey, what's up, Wilbo? And uh, just it was fun because he, we didn't, we'd never done it before. And we're like, hey, would you be willing to like, read this bit of Shakespeare and just do whatever you want. And, and he really quickly got very comfortable with getting weird with it and having fun and going over the top. And uh, that kind of set the tone for how we would, you know, ask other people to jump on too and try it out. So I don't know, infinite love for the guy and very kind. And uh, really he's, he's come onto the tabletop role-playing game um, universe from so many angles. Uh, So yeah, sending him love too. All right. Good deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and last but not least, go ahead and plug you. Where where, okay. can, where can we find <laughs> where can we find you and your stuff? Because we're not going to invite you on and not let you plug what you're oh, what you're selling. Okay. 
You don't want to be just like going to the darkness. You're like, who was that girl? Got to find out. Um, <laughs> so my name is Kate and I am the dungeon master, or is like we like to say, the master teacher for Of Mice and Men and Monsters, which is an actual play podcast for um, homebrew dungeons and dragons, a lot of 5e rules. Um, but we use it through the lens of coming through the worlds of classic literature, things that are in public domain. Uh, and so we release every other week. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. Da-da-da-da-da, the list of all the places <laughs> we're on that. Um, and yeah, there, there's a group of four of us. Uh, two of our friends do this with us. And then my husband and I are the producers. So I do the front end, the creating and a lot of the marketing. And then my husband, Adam, who plays Bertram on the show, he uh, does the back end, the editing and the uploading. So it's been really this fun labor of love, much like you guys do, <laughs> of just getting to do what you love and, and make this a, a hobby that, I don't know, you get excited to do. Uh, it doesn't feel like, I don't know, it's not a slog. It's just something that you, you, you get to feed that part of yourself that you don't always get to on a regular daily basis. I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to hazard to speak for Adam for a minute because sometimes editing does feel like a slog. Oh, yeah, I get that. And he I think he has the hardest job. <laughs> I do not want that one. Uh, but yeah, it, it, thanks to him, like, you know, I'm able to listen to it and like, I don't know, get proud enough to like shed a tear of like, wow, we made this. Uh, but anyways, you can you can find us uh, on Twitter as well as on Instagram. Our handle is at Omamam show. Um, we technically have a TikTok, but we're we're not really on that too much. But it's the same handle at OMMM show. And uh, yeah, we we invite you come on in and, and see all the weird and, and listen to all the stories and get ideas for yourselves as well. Awesome. All right. Right. Well, Kate, thank you so very much for joining yes. us for this episode of Under Common Taste. It was wonderful thank to have you, you on. It's been a ton of fun. It was fun. <laughs> I like talking to you. <laughs> Let's do this again. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and thank you, everyone, for watching and listening today. Um, if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas, please send us an email at undercommontaste at gmail.com or send us a direct message through our Twitter account at UCT Homebrew. We couldn't get Under Common Taste because that was too many characters. Um, <laughs> I tried. I tried. I didn't want undercommon tast. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no. <It's, laughs> uh, doesn't quite have the same ring not to so it. Much. Yeah. We can, we're also we're also on Facebook and Instagram at undercommon taste. Um, you, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash undercommon taste. So if you want to help support the show financially, come over there and consider becoming a patron. That's also where we post all of our write-ups for all of the creatures and mechanical systems and stuff that we come up with on the show um we are also on discord you'll find the link to our discord channel in the show notes yes you can find our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts um apple podcasts iHeartRadio, itunes google spotify always please give us a rate and a review it helps increase our visibility and it lets us know what you want to hear more of do it. It's good for us guys. It really is. <laughs> and, and also just, just an aside, as we were talking about drink smash, you'll find that on our Patreon as well. It's right. Yeah. Up from Quink. <laughs> and, and Spotify now has a mecha- uh, a system where you can actually give star ratings to podcasts. So please okay. go, if you use Spotify, please go and give us a rating on Spotify because that also it helps takes a lot. Seconds. Yes. It's it's a it's a literal it's a drop down 
you push on it, and then you click how many stars, and then you're done. <laughs> it's two clicks, and you're done. It's it's amazing. One click, two click. <laughs> red click, red click, blue click. Yes. <laughs> so thank you everyone for joining us. Stay safe. We'll see you again next week. Happy gaming. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Undercommon Taste. You can find links to all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, as well as our Patreon and Discord channel in the show notes. Our theme song is Massacre Anne, written and performed by Mary Crowell and used with permission. You can find more of her work at marycrowell.bandcamp.com or on Patreon at patreon.com slash drmarycrowell. Our logo was illustrated by David Sutherland. You can find him on Instagram at willx underscore 73 or on DeviantArt at deviantart.com slash David Sutherland. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you again next week.